let's begin. Good morning. Hi and bright morning, folks. Welcome to B2B, Breakfast to Business with Team Asia. I'm Bea Lim, the Managing Director of Team Asia, your breakfast companion every Monday from here on out. Okay, guys. So once again, welcome to B2B. It's our very first episode of our own Team Asia podcast, and we're super excited to have you all here with us today. All right, so maybe you guys are wondering why B2B, why Breakfast to Business, and so I'm going to share with you a little story of how we actually came up with this new passion project um, of very excited, very brilliant people who just came together and said, hey, you know what, let's do something great, let's do something exciting, let's do something that's bright and shiny, which is what we all are, right? So how did B2B uh, breakfast to business with Bea, you know, how was it conceived? Uh, my favorite time of the day is morning time. So if you guys already know me, you know that I am up bright and early at around 5 a.m., like around 5 o'clock in the morning. I feel that that's my most creative time of the day. Um, I'm either writing on my journal or I'm typing ideas and musings on my laptop as the sky catches the first ray of sunshine. And actually, that's my favorite, being able to see how the light shifts in the room, being able to see darkness, and then you see, you know, suddenly sunshine. And it, you know, for me, it's a good sign of a bright um, and glorious day where there's a lot, just a lot of possibilities and the like. So... We're super um, uh, creative in the morning and I feel that, you know, that quiet time is creative time, at least for me, and it's the most productive time of the day as well. Actually, you know what, folks joke around in the office that I'm busiest when everybody else is asleep, Well, it's not a joke, it's reality. Um, but you know what I say is that when they get up, everything that they need from me is there, um, also because I'm faster in the morning. Um, and that's pretty cool as well. Um, I also feel that the best ideas actually are born um, when I'm chatting with my fellow morning people in the morning, whether you know we're on chat or we're actually together in the pantry making coffee. Oh my goodness, I miss the office. I miss being with our people. Um, and I love those morning conversations because we get to talk about everything under the sun, actually. We get to talk about musings but at the same time we get to talk about business and what the next solution or the next idea we can come up with when faced with a challenge and i feel that that's you know um that's a big high and that's one of my favorite times of day and so because we super love the morning and because we felt hey you know what we do have all of our bright and shiny ideas bright and early in the morning why don't we create um, you know, morning times with, um, uh, with you guys, like, you know, just have those breakfast musings and have that conversation between having your first cup of coffee of the day and having your first meeting. And so because we wanted to be a part of your day, we wanted to come up or create with your first meeting of the day with us, right? Through this podcast, B2B from breakfast to business. So um, with this podcast, what we want to do is to talk about what excites us, to empower you with the latest tools, the trends, the inspiration for your own business or own passion project, whatever it is that you want to work on for the day. We also want to create um, personalized uh, next level experiences for our partners, uh, brands, or even our industry friends. We're going to have them over for chats and the like. Um, and we just want to be with you guys, our listeners, as you transition from breakfast to business mode with a little dish of the day or food for thought to come along with it. So guys, from here on out, it's a date every Monday morning. We're going to be with you guys through B2B breakfast to business. So that's what you can expect from our podcast, everything under the sun, but mostly tools, trends, um, tips of the trade, uh, and you know all of the things that we want to talk about. And here we are with uh, our first episode. And our first episode actually is super exciting. And I'm very happy that um, it's happening now because I really feel that it's not only timely, but it's also very inspiring. Today for our first episode, we are going to talk about the productive woman. And 
we've got one person who is um, uh, the epitome of uh, brains, beauty, boldness, and uh, bravery. And um, she's actually the definition of um, a productive woman. So before I actually give you guys a sneak peek as to who our guest for today is, um, I want you guys to be talking about, and special shout out to fellow queens out there, right? Um, what is our definition of productivity as women, right? Um, I also want us to talk about or think about what is our role in um, you know, our homes, in our personal life, our industries, our businesses, our country, our nation, our world, especially when we are faced with crisis like the COVID-19. I want us to take a look at how we define productivity um, and our role in this time and how is it that we can actually make differences out there and use um, you know, the power within to, to fight through it, right? And so today in this episode, I will be interviewing Team Asia's very own president and founder, Monette Iteralde Hamlin. We all know her lovingly as our mother ducky. I am uh, I'm very lucky because I'm number one ducky, like not only in the office, but personally, she's my mom. And I'm super excited to have her as our main guest for our episode number one because she knows what it's like to build a business from scratch, to um, go through um, great and amazing milestones, but also hit um, rock bottom and work our way up again. Um, and we're going to talk about that today. I don't want to spoil anything before we, we actually go into it. But um, uh, what we want to talk about really here is how do we create things born out of love and look into how we can sustain it, grow it even further and bring, you know, our own projects, our own businesses, our own brands, the next level experience. Um, and so here with us is our mother ducky extraordinaire, our Team Asia founder and president, uh, Manette Hamlin. Hi, Bea. Okay, cool. We're super excited to have you on our show or our podcast. And we want to talk about the productive woman. And for us, you are the epitome of the productive woman, not just because you're busy, um, always doing great things out there, but it's also because you inspire a lot of people to um, do great things yourself. Um, so before we go into all of the questions that we have for you, can you tell us first about yourself? Who is Monette Hamlin? What is your brand story? Go ahead. My brand story. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm a mom. I'm a mom to two beautiful daughters, Bea and Kara, and a mother to Nicolo. I, um, I'm a widow right now, and I'm a senior. I uh, founded uh, Team Asia 28 years ago. I am currently its president, and I also do a lot of other activities. I chair the Women's Business Council of the Philippines, as well as the Government Academe Industry Network, um, where I serve as um, president. And I'm also chair for the Hopkins International um, partner, uh, Partners, and a lot of other things. So my story started when um, I uh, went through schooling on a scholarship uh, from elementary because my father died when I was just 10 years old. I grew up in a family, um, all women um, family who really pushed me to do better. I went to AIM for um, my master's. And then after AIM, I joined the World Executives Digest. This is a publishing company. And I entered as a management trainee and worked myself uh, all the way up to being circulation director and associate publisher. As associate publisher of um, World Executives Digest, I was tasked uh, to run a program, an awards program regionally in six different countries. That's Hong Kong, Indonesia, the Philippines, Thailand, Singapore, and uh, Malaysia. And uh, this awards program, which was the very first of its kind anywhere in Asia, was to recognize the best managed companies in uh, six different fields, which included 
uh, information technology, finance, people management, operations, marketing, and general management. So when I ran this program, I represented World Executives Digest and my counterpart um, on the AIN side was Professor Michael Allen Hamlin. And uh, Mike uh, and I had several different clashes at the start. We couldn't get along, but finally our work um, ideals, our work um, processes sort of matched. Uh, we both worked really hard on stuff that we put our passion into. And so we were able to make that awards program hugely, hugely successful for both AIM and um, World Executives Digest. But then another company came in at the end of two years called Asian Sources. They uh, bought um, World Executives Digest and uh, then fired all of the top brass, including me. So I was out of a job. I had two young daughters to take care of. My marriage was unraveling. My mom had just been run over by a car. I didn't know how I was going to survive at the time. But then uh, AIM, who disagreed strongly with Asian sources because of what their plans were for the awards program, came to me and said, Monette, why don't you run the program on your own? And I thought about it, and I said, gee, Monette, where are you going to get the money to run this program? I was totally risk-averse. But then Mike, who had by this time become a really good friend, told me, Monette, you know, you can do anything you put your mind to. Just don't think about the money, do the work, and the money will follow. And so because of that, I said, okay. So Mike and I uh, incorporated an event management company in Hong Kong in August of 1991. And then we renamed it the Events and Awards Managers of Asia Limited in May 1992. And I coined the acronym Team Asia. So our first project at Team Asia was the now new Asian Management Awards. This awards program, which also um, recognized the best managed companies in six different countries, the same six countries, the same um, management areas. But this time we were doing it with a Far Eastern Economic Review. And so our contract was we would run the program without any funding from AIM or from the Far Eastern Economic Review. We would keep all the funds that we are able to generate. If it was a loss, then that's our loss. If it's a profit, it's our profit. So that's how Team Asia started. We ran it for uh, three, we ran the Asian Management Awards for three very, very successful years. Um, and during that time, I also married Mike in 1994, and uh, a year later, I had Niccolo. And so the last year of the awards program that we were doing under Team Asia, I really could not travel to those different countries, and so I was doing it work from home. <laughs> so there you go, um, the first glimpse of work from home. Well, that's a beautiful story. Um, so actually, you've woven um, uh, your own story with the birth of Team Asia. Yes. Cool. Um, uh, because now we know more about Team Asia, and of course, you as an entrepreneur and a business owner, um, could you please share with us um, uh, three big, big uh, milestones of Team Asia in the last 28 years. Oh my goodness. It's been 28 years um, of Team Asia. So could you share with us um, three big and favorite milestones in the past 28 years? That is such a hard task, Bea, because there are so <laughs> many. But let me start with the Asian Management Awards. That for me was very, very important because we were going into um, uncharted waters. Never has there been an international management awards program in Asia at the time. Mind you, this was the days before internet, before the mobile phone. This was the old traditional way of communications. So we set the standards for an awards program regionally and we had both AIM, we were working with the top publications in all those six countries, we were working with the Far Eastern Economic Review, so that was great. 
And throughout that experience, we came to know so many of the best managed companies and learn from them. Another thing I would say would be the speaker series that we started. We were thinking that we needed to bring management of thinking to Asia. And so we brought in people like Peter Drucker, Philip Kotler, Michael Porter, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich, Man Poor da uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, Ron Kaufman, um, Mark Victor Hansen of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, even Deepak Chopra. So we were bringing the speakers here because at that time it was so difficult to go overseas and actually, and it cost a lot of money to listen to these people. So we brought them here to the Philippines, to Malaysia, to Singapore, to Hong Kong, to Indonesia. So there. So that for me was, was very, very great. Another thing is that we have been so much into helping industries grow and in a sense, the nation grow. Um, two organizations that we worked with was the League of Corporate Foundations at the time were CSR or corporate social responsibility was unknown. And so we helped grow the CSR Expo for almost eight years. Another big, big contribution I personally feel and so proud of is Mike and I and Team Asia worked on the ITBPM industry. We helped uh, set up the IBPAP um, and we started all of the CEO briefings, the surveys, the international outsourcing summit then and now the IIS which is done yearly and because of that the industry has grown and we're now what giving jobs to over 1.3 million Filipinos so it's great it's changed the landscape of the country and uh, instead of sending people as OFWs abroad we just give them great jobs here so they can grow so I guess those three things I would say would be very special to me Okay, great. So you were able to do it. Three big milestones. I'm so proud of you. I'm sure you wanted to share more, um, but I'm, I also know that it's going to come up as we talk about it. So if we were to summarize that, what we see as the milestone tree of Team Asia was being able to do firsts. We are able to do um, things that, are, that have never been done before. We're able to provide access to um, uh, thought leaders and people who, you know, people didn't know they could get, um, uh, you know, to listen to or to watch. And at the same time, we get to help um, industries grow. And I think that that's one of my favorite stories of Team Asia as well. Um, I have to say that personally, I grew up with the ITBPM industry. People didn't know what it was um, back then. And now um, uh, I'm, I'm super happy seeing in the news or everywhere else how much this industry is able to provide not only for Filipinos across the nation, but is able to really bring a lot of greatness to the Philippines as we are known for our Filipino brand of service. So, um, yes, that's also one of my favorite stories. Um, okay, MIH, another question that we have for you is what was the turning point for you to set up Team Asia in the Philippines? So I know you um, said that we started in Hong Kong, we did these amazing big award, um, awards programs across six different countries, but why, um, why did we set up shop in the Philippines? Well, in 1994, we saw that the relationship with the Asian Institute of Management was not going too well was falling through. And at the same time, all those wonderful companies that have won have started asking us, can you organize uh, events for us? Because we see how well you organize events. And so um, as word spread of our event management um, expertise, we were asked by companies like, um, mostly technology companies like um, Intel, IBM, Compaq, that was before it merged with, with HP. And we organized a variety of events for these companies from setting them up, product launches, we had technology conferences, we had consumer fairs, we actually coined the term PC Weekend Madness and started that here in the Philippines and the other countries followed through. And one of our clients, software this time, SAP, asked us to please expand beyond doing events and to actually uh, help them with their public relations um, requirements. And that was Mike's expertise. So he started the PR uh, service for Team Asia and eventually need for other services grew like creative services because there, we needed advertising, we needed marketing and event collateral. So we set up a creative design department which has expanded over the years. 
And as technology enhanced and the way we experience things became different and we communicate differently, internet started, mobile, you remember fax marketing? So all of this came and uh, since Mike was my, my partner, was also very much into being there whenever new technology trends came in. He was a geek. And so he decided with Web 2.0 that was coming in, um, well, he's, he got a technology team together to do Facebooks, websites. Now they do mobile apps. We manage Facebook, Twitter, YouTube campaigns, LinkedIn campaigns for our clients, and SEO campaigns and all of this. We ventured into um, brand workshops to help clients with their branding requirements. So I would say that from those days where we were two people in a garage, we're now, what, 60 people, 60 professionals offering a variety of services all under IME or Integrated Marketing Experience. And of course, I have to say to thank you to you, Bea. You're leading it now. Okay. You're welcome, Mom. That's pretty cool. So um, I know in 1994, um, uh, um, I mean, um, during the, the 90s, we also had a very um, big issue that happened in Asia at that time, which was, um, uh, you know, also a pandemic, right? Um, which was SARS. Um, could you tell us uh, a little bit about that as well? Actually, SARS started um, in 2002. I think that was around November when they had the first case and it was in Guangdong, which is on the border of Hong Kong. So it felt very close to home, no? And then pretty soon, there was news about this mysterious disease that was causing people to get sick. So it started just in China. But then there was a doctor who was uh, taking care of uh, SARS patients in China who went to Hong Kong and attended a wedding at, I think that was the Metropole Hotel. And because of that, he didn't know he was already sick. So many people got sick, all those people who were not just at the wedding, but at the, at the hotel. Um, he didn't know that it was that contagious or how it was being airborne. And then later, uh, when he checked himself into a hospital, then all the people there in the hospital got sick, all the nurses, the doctors. And so then it started to spread because of travel. Um, people who attended that wedding went back to their country. So it went to Singapore, it went to Thailand, it went to Vietnam. And so it became bigger and bigger. Um, it came to a point that they were closing uh, condominiums in Hong Kong and even some areas because everyone in that building was getting sick and they didn't know what was causing it. Uh, they, start, they closed they suspended school. Um, air travel was disallowed. We really had no business for several months. It was really crazy at that time. And everyone was wearing masks. No one wanted to meet each anyone else. We had meetings canceled, nothing. That was terrible. As an event agency, how did Team Asia cope during that time? It was very difficult. As I mentioned to you that um, all the events were being closed, uh, canceled rather. Um, some were even, some were postponed, but mostly canceled. We looked to what the other countries were doing. We kept our ears on the ground. We checked how were they handling the epidemic. Um, and we kept communicating with our clients to tell them, you know, this is what's happening. We're giving them free advice because we wanted to maintain the relationship with them. But eventually, it was such a sad thing. We had to close the physical offices in Singapore and Hong Kong. The rent salaries were quite prohibitive. No one wanted to get together for events. Um, when Hong Kong reopened, businesses were all struggling to get back on their feet. feet. What was you know, training expenses? Because mine, going to our training events and our speaker series was a training expense. That was at the very bottom of their priorities. So, it was survival mode. We also did not have the technology for communications that are available today. So it was so difficult. Then it was just print, radio, TV. Luckily um, for us, for Team Asia, in the Philippines, we were not badly hit. I think we only had like 14 cases of COVID, uh, sorry, of, of SARS and only two deaths here. 
So we also had the other services that we had already started aside from the events with so the PR, the, the other stuff, um, the creatives. And so we were able to offer those services here in the Philippines. And because at that time, travel was quite expensive, not like today, everyone can travel. There was not much of the SARS that came to the Philippines. So that for us at the time was the good thing. During SARS, I, I really remember, remember Eugenia, our partner in Hong Kong, was crying and crying. So what am I going to do? How do I handle this? And Mike would always tell us, just hang in there. You know, this is only going to last a few months. Well, it lasted almost a year. But we survived. That's good. Um, was Team Asia prepared for a pandemic or a crisis like what happened in Hong Kong? No one saw it coming. No one saw it coming. And looking back, because I know, I mean, it's been a couple of weeks. And I mean, I know this, you and I always talk about this, um, but I'm sure a lot of people are on the same boat. Like what we said, we're all in this together. The whole world is actually, um, you know, right now on wait and see mode as well as to what this crisis brings. Looking back, what did it teach you as a person, um, as an entrepreneur, as a woman? What did SARS teach you that you feel also helped today? It taught me that I am strong. And it taught everyone there that they are strong as well. Because you have to draw on your inner strength to be able yeah. to survive any crisis. There's a realization then also that life is a circle. There are ups and there are downs. Yeah. You just have to be ready to roll with it, you know, um, roll up your sleeves and just tackle the best what you can for the situation that is in front of you. Um, we also should care about others. This is important. We should not just look at ourselves, but we, everyone is hurting. So it, yeah. at this point that we really need to reach out and help them, help them through, help everyone through. And it's, it's like working together. No one, no one should be left behind. You also realize at this point that people are your best assets. The physical office, yeah. yes, you can close that. You can lose all those loose assets. But people, people are the most important. And you have to keep them positive. You have to keep them motivated to do the best, to do their best in the situation, to get over the hump and... Uh, continue doing the very best that they can do in everything. Okay, and then, you know, fast forward to 2020. <laughs> I mean, and you said earlier, um, SARS hit in 2002, and here we are at 2020, and we have COVID-19. And, um, and I, I do feel you in terms of everything that you shared about what you've learned, and I've felt that, and you've passed on that lesson to us as well. Um, how do you think Team Asia is coping up with this new crisis or with this new pandemic? So you've shared what we did in 2002. What are we doing now? And how do you feel we are coping with this global crisis? I think um, that we were better prepared for work at home because our staff were already equipped with laptops and mobile phones, communication accounts that covers internet access. We have been collaborating with the Google platform for years now, so it was easier. Everyone was used to it. Yeah. It's on the cloud, so we have a very good uh, IT guy, a team that heads it, Jeff, kudos to you. We also had a BCP or a business continuity plan team that was working on crisis management. Actually, even before COVID started, uh, this was uh, because of the Taal eruption. Um, it just segued into the COVID-19 pandemic. You see, um, we are on retainer to several clients and we need to take care of providing them information of what's happening on the ground so that they can make strategic um, decisions for their business. And so we, our team has already had their ear to the ground and been covering and putting together all of these briefing documents and communication plans with all of our clients. Uh, so we just sort of continued that. We also have created um, two teams here internally. We have the IRAT or the Internal Risk Assessment Task Force. <laughs> and it's not such a sexy name. 
and the BST or the Business Sustain Sustainability Task Force. The BSP is working on plans for navigating and pivoting our business for the new normal, you know, like keeping our engaged and potential clients alive through COVID-19, through their daily operations. We're doing client servicing, servicing. We're getting them online and agile through the crisis. We're developing virtual conferences, um, not just for our own, but for our clients as well. And of course, this, uh, this very first Team Asia podcast are from breakfast to business, right? Um, ERAT, on the other hand, is looking at how the, our business in particular can survive, given the tighter cash flows that we are seeing during this lockdown and immediately after. Of course, we have to take care of, um, of uh, keeping our people, getting them, um, giving them their salary so that they can survive during these times. We are also recalibrating business revenues, revenue goals, and our budgets. We're reallocating resources, and through this all, we're innovating as much as we possibly can. Now, during lockdown in particular, there is the matter of keeping the team spirit up. And uh, you, you, we, the team, has done a lot of really exciting things. We start each day, 9 o'clock, sharp, on the dot, with morning pop-ups, pop-ups. We start with a prayer. Everyone on the team is there from their own homes. We share stories of how we are coping, what they're cooking, what are the new um, things that they're doing at home, their family members. We're even doing ban uh, pantry bantry, which is we're sharing um, recipes. Uh, we're checking on each other's mental health, essentially, through a buddy system that we have created so everyone has a buddy and that person is supposed to check on the other just to see how they're doing now in terms of uh, office productivity uh, i already mentioned that we've been using google suite we're continuing continuing to do that we're using asana as well we're on the different platforms for communication so that we can have all of these meetings online we continue co to collaborate on the pitches, on delivering services to our engaged accounts and so on, business development. Our triad, uh, this is the digital web and creative teams are super busy uh, sustaining our, pair, our partners' visibility at this time in particular where they need it um, so that there is uh, visibility online and we also continue creating meaningful experiences and connections for them. Our content team, which is, uh, they hardly sleep anymore, they continue to monitor all of the government pronouncements. They prepare briefing documents, crisis comms documents for clients. Our experience team is also pivoting the business online. Why, you know, we've even had our very first branding workshop online. I know, my goodness. That's called innovation. We needed, um, uh, we were really pushed. I mean, I love what you said about um, uh, you know, you always say about innovating. I think that aside from innovating, this is where we are most creative as well. Like our creative juices just keep on flowing. Things that we said before could not be done were just words. And because we have been pushed to the limit, we actually can make things possible now. I mean, I know the brand workshop, like what you mentioned, like, you know, you know, it's a little thing, quote-unquote, that we think about. But that was a huge thing. We never thought we could imagine having a series of brand workshops where interaction with a brand and the people that have created that brand is so meaningful and so, you know, it's the core of that particular workshop. And here we are able to do it online. So I love what you said about being able to, 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 to really put out our creative juices and saying that we actually can innovate. And this is the time that is pushing you to do that as well. Um, what was the biggest learning from the past that you are applying to this COVID-19 situation right now? Well, I think the very first thing is don't freeze. Don't sit still either and just commiserate and cry. Nothing's going to happen to you that way. You have to look within, find your strength, be creative, open those juices, be unafraid. Pray, pray, pray. Uh, the Bible has 365 lines saying, do not be afraid. It's really time to connect to God, guys. Just you yeah. know, hold on to Him. 
and then forge on. Next, you need to take care of your people. People, I said, are your best assets and um, keep them happy. Keep communications going. Um, and also, this is where we draw on the different services that we have and we sort of take a look and see how can we repurpose them or how can we swing them or pivot them so that we are able to roll with the punches that are brought about by the different economic swings, especially this one with uh, COVID. And I think if you look back on our 28 years, during the times that we had the worst crisis, were also the times where Team Asia did best. I love that. I love that. So it's fight mode all the time, right? Um, I do want to touch, though, on a more personal um, uh, question. Um, so you've tackled a lot from a business perspective. And um, because you are, you are our super mom or super mother ducky, and we do want to talk about um, our role as women in times of crisis as well. You know, I would like to ask you from, uh, from your perspective as a mom, as a woman, a business owner, an entrepreneur, um, you know, what were the learnings um, uh, that, you've, that you've had in the past that you're applying now? Um, and what do you feel your role is as a woman in times of crisis? Okay, let's start first with the family unit because I think that's the thing that we should never forget. Uh, as women, we are daughters, we are wives, we are mothers, we are sisters, aunts. Uh, we have a role to play in the family, and we need to keep that family unit together. I really thank the Lord that I have this opportunity to be with you, Bea and Nicolo, here in the house. I just feel really sad that Dada and Kara are far away and can't get to us. And I'm hoping that when this lockdown is up, that we are able to get them. Um, it's an opportunity to bond, to make sure that we, um, we have good times, we talk, we talk, that's so important, over meals, We've, we even have games. Um, so there, I think living, being um, a light for the family is something that we all need as women to embrace. We have to take care of the family there. That's one. Now, as, a, as an entrepreneur, as a business entrepreneur, I've already told you, um, I've shared with you what we're doing and what, what, one of the things though, is a realization for me now. I'm looking at my picture here on the, on the Zoom and I can see I have white hair. <laughs> the reality is I am a senior and I have to accept that. I have to accept that being a senior and being more not as immune to all of these sicknesses that I have to stay put. I have to stay at home and I have to rely on the younger people like you, Bea, like Nicolo, like our team. They're all young. And, I, and this is the time where we have to relinquish the hold or the control over the company and let the young ones take over. And since they know what is happening on the ground, they know all of the new technology, then they are in the best place to be able to bring the company to the next level experience. As for me, I'm here still as a guide, as Mother Ducky, to, to help you. Now, on the bigger stage, like community, here in South Bay where we are, the reality is while we are in the comfort of our homes, we still enjoy air conditioning. We can do cook the food that we want, even though sometimes the ingredients are not there. Um, there are many developing communities around us that are suffering. People yeah. who, are, who have, are on daily wage, that because there is no work, because of the lockdown, they are unable to earn. They are unable to put food on their table. They are unable to buy the medicine that they need. And so here in the community, what we've done is together with the other, mostly women, but some good men in the, in the village, is that we have raised the necessary funds so that we are able to um, get food packs together. And there's so many volunteers who have stepped up 
and we bring them to the neighboring villages, uh, the neighboring um, developing communities so that um, we can help them out during this time. We've also been helping the parish as well uh, for that. Um, for Team Asia, another thing is that when this thing started, the COVID, um, there was a cry for help from uh, Quezon City, right? And Quezon City wanted to build um, um, some facilities, yeah, facilities for the people who are sick, you know, for testing and all of that. And so they asked Ubea to see how we can help. And what we did was we mobilized our experience group and we called all of our different booth suppliers, booth contractors that we've worked with over the years. And uh, we helped arrange, negotiate, and finally, uh, Centrex, for example, has built several such facilities in Quezon City. And uh, we're still continuing to talk to them for other places. So in terms of, since communication also is what we do best, is we continue pushing out the information that our clients need so that they can continue to operate and navigate their ways through this um, uh, stage that we're in. Um, also, the associations that we work with, um, Bea, for instance, no, you have been working with IMAP for their uh, series of webinars. Um, so you've been hosting that. Um, this afternoon, we're going to have a board meeting with the Women's Business Council, which I now am chair of so that we can discuss what the Women's Business Council together can do as an advocacy group um, for this. Tomorrow, I have a meeting with the ASEAN Women Entrepreneurs Network so that we can also discuss how we women across Asia can also help each other. That's beautiful. Of, yeah. There are many, many outstanding examples that I want to bring out to everyone so that you are aware of it and you can help out. Because many people are in their homes, they want to help, but they don't know how. Yeah, um, yeah. And so we have uh, people like um, St. Pamamon of the Enchanted Kingdom who are uh, doing uh, helping uh, in terms of giving uh, PPEs. We have uh, Yoling Sevilla of the Leather Collection that has turned her uh, factory into a factory to make PPEs right now. She's, she's awesome, this woman, talaga. We have um, Mylene uh, Abiba, who is the president of the Women's Business Council and who is heading the robotics. Uh, she's the international ambassador, I believe, for robotics. She has actually mobilized her, uh, the different robotics teams to create uh, uh, the, the face uh, masks uh, using robots. And she has also been mobilizing everyone in terms of helping bring things out to the different areas. Chit Wan, Chit Wan, my gee whiz girls. Chit Wan and her niece, Roz Wan, are cooking, preparing food for um, the for Makati Medical. Um, so they're still looking for families that would be willing to cook six food for 60 to 100 people. So if you're up to it, I can give you the number and you can help out. Even here in the community, just the other night, I discovered that there's a group of young uh, servant leaders from the developing communities, not rich children, but very, very strong faith. And they have started this um, thing, up there. it's a project for noodles. So <laughs> they're getting donations and they're packing food and they're bringing this to the poorest of the poor families and even to the street dwellers and the, the basureros and the police who are manning the streets that they have no, nothing to eat and are continuing to make life uh, bearable for all of us, all of us. So there's so much that we can do. So let's just do it, okay? Guys, don't sit still. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Take care of your people. We're gonna get out of this. And we're gonna get out this strong, stronger women. There you go. I think those are the fantastic words of a productive woman. Number one, very busy um, with all of the roles to play. No, but seriously though, I mean, if, if I were to put everything in a nutshell, I think that, you know, I love what you said. We all have a role to play and it's, it's about taking care of one another, of building communities, of both reaching out and staying still, knowing when um, to also quote-unquote, relinquish control, but at the same time, know when to give and when to bring people together. I think that, you know, it's not 
um, it's not particularly gender-based. It's really more of our commitment and our love for community that really drives us forward. But because our topic is the productive woman, I think Manette Hamlin already said everything in her piece. Like, don't stay still. Don't freeze. Don't, don't, don't go to your corner and cry. Um, look into ways where we can help. Look into ways that we can connect um, to make the best out of the situation. We don't need a lot to help, I believe. We just need a fire in our hearts and itchy hands to work with communications and, and, and to, um, to share what other people are doing um, to be able to help out. And yeah, see another, another um, advice from her as well um, uh, because she's, she's very productive. Yes, what was the last one? No, I just remember the other thing since food was a big problem here in the community and we were all locked down. We started the Viber group called South Bay Marketplace. And so here, all the neighbors are now offering, they cook food so the others can buy. We get tomatoes, we, we you know, people source and it's a big, big thriving business right now. <laughs> Once making money, all of this is at cost just to make sure that food is avail available for everyone. So this is another thing that you can do because there are farmers out there with produce and they have no market. So help. This is the time that we can actually help our farmers as well as get good food. Yes. So that's right. So see, it's about being able to really just um, widen our communities and make sure that we bring people together. Um, we may not be the source, um, we may not have the means, but we can help by providing that bridge or to bridge gaps or connect people, um, create meaningful engagements so that we can help other people. And helping may not just be physical, guys. Helping could be supporting one another's uh, mental health. It could be supporting each other emotionally as well. I think those are things that we need to not forget um, is to also support um, our um our body mind uh and soul okay so mih i do have um uh, last two questions for you um for our listeners out there who are also business owners who are also worried about what's happening what is the one big advice that you want to give them you sort of learn to handle pressure over time okay you've been through some amazing experiences and you learn that really whatever you wind up facing that there are ways of dealing with the challenges and turning them to your favor prayer helps too there is light at the end of the tunnel i love that and people people will get you through it right our people are our biggest assets and they will always um uh, uh bring that light at, at the end of the tunnel mirror to us right um, okay, Team Asia will be celebrating its 28th year, oh my goodness, um, this coming May um, with um, everything that we've experienced and everything you've shared today, um, all the risks and sacrifices, were they worth it? Oh yes, a resounding yes. Okay, there you have it guys, words of resounding yeses and amazing tips and tricks. Um, Everything coming from the heart um, and experience, um, not only for um, listeners out there, but for people that you feel would also need that. Um, coming from our very own mother, Ducky Manette Hamlin, she's been through um, highs, she's been through lows, but throughout all of those highs and lows, what has emerged is a strong, wise um, woman who is generous with her time, generous with her advice, generous with her love, um, so that people can survive, um, especially the toughest challenges, but also for people to actually emerge as victorious, as creative and innovative as much as possible. So MAH, thank you so much for being the productive woman on this uh, first podcast. We wanted to talk about, you know, what really, um, what really is the definition of a productive woman, um, but You've given us so much more because you've given us also a lot of insights on what can we do to weather storms, but at the same time, what is it that we need to do to be able to move for forward and onward, right, from any crisis. So thank you once again for being part of um, our very first podcast or episode of B2B uh, Breakfast to Business. We had it over great and delicious um, uh, coffee. 
um, uh, and and um, stories to share. So guys, if I were to wrap up everything that we discussed, and my God, that's a lot. Um, maybe what I would like to just share is that uh, things that we put together and is really important um, to us, um, we will always uh, find ways to protect, nourish, and nurture it, um, whatever storm, whatever crisis may come. Uh, we are all very strong people with creative minds, um, innovative hands and minds, uh, with big, generous hearts that can help one another um, through various um, crises. There's this old, Afro, uh, sorry, an old Chinese proverb that I love and that just kept on coming to me when Monette started talking about how we weathered storms in the past and what we had to do to, to pivot, to constantly pivot, not only in times of crisis, but in times of change, right? The old Chinese proverb says, when the, when the winds of change blow, Others build walls and others build windmills. And I think that that's such a fantastic food for thought for us to bring with us today or for the rest of the week is that there will always be changes. It's not just COVID-19. Um, it could be a crisis. It could be technology. It could be um, a change in the way we do things or a generation or something something and it could be positive do it doesn't necessarily have to be negative but change will come and the only thing constant in this world is change and it's either you build up a wall so high that you know um the wind is not going to reach you the wind of change or you become innovative you persevere you sweat it out you you embrace it with loving open arms and say i'm going to build the windmill now and see what i'm going to do with that uh, you know, with that wind of change that just passed me. So um, uh, that can be your food for thought um, in this bright and shiny Monday morning, folks. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you once again um, to our mother, Ducky Monette, for being part of our first ever um, uh, B2B Breakfast to Business episode. We've got a lot more in store for you guys. I'm super mega excited for... Um, what we have in store uh, for the next Monday, we're going to be talking about a lot of uh, tips and tricks into working from home and keeping that productivity up and running. I know Monette already talked a lot about certain things we are doing, but we want to go deep dive into it and have fun with um, other topics we can get our hands into. So guys, this is it for the first episode of B2B Breakfast to Business. Stay tuned for our next date every Monday here on out. Thanks guys, see ya!